Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The big news of the day, Sean Payton is stepping aside as the Saints head coach, but he's telling the media at a press conference that's going on an hour now that he is going to get back into coaching, that they're not writing the obituary of Sean Payton's coaching career today when he asked how he wants to be remembered. Uh, he thought he's been going through memories of all of his uh, past teams since he took over as head coach of the Saints in 2006. And uh, he's mentioned Drew Brees, who he called last night to let him know about his decision. He met with Saints ownership. They both agreed that this was the right path for Sean Payton. Uh, although they wanted Payton to return, they told him to sit back, think about it, take as much time as you wanted. And he didn't need to. The, the thought is, and he's already made it apparent in the presser, that he's going to get into broadcasting at least for a year, a short-term move that will bridge his return to the NFL. Um, many are already trying to pair him with the Dallas Cowboys. Last month, there were rumors that he was going to be paired with the Chicago Bears and that the Bears would try to trade to acquire his contract. But even if Peyton's back into coaching next year, he still is under or he he's under contract with the Saints. The Saints retain his rights until that would expire, and there's two years left on that deal. So if a team wants to hire him, they will have to trade compensation in return for Sean Payton. So I I think that the most likely scenario is he sits out two years, doesn't sit out, but goes to broadcasting for two years, takes a job in two years' time when they don't have to trade for him and give up a lot of assets for whatever job he's taking. And I think he probably would want it that way where the franchise he takes over and inherits doesn't have to give up a lot. Uh, Interesting fact I saw from, uh, I think Benjamin Albright put this out there. Sean Payton is 12 years younger than Pete Carroll. He is uh, a year younger than Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll took the Seattle job. Just to put that into perspective from an age standpoint. So, not all bad if you were to hire Sean Payton a year or two from now, which it's going to be at least that. I like your thing about him not wanting to hurt the team. He goes to yada yada. Jerry Jones has another unfortunate season. He gets itchy. He's not going to care about that stuff. No, I, I what agree. it takes to give up, what it takes to get Sean Payton. He'll do whatever it takes. Um, Jerry Jones, what I'm saying, ideally, I feel like Sean Payton would go into it thinking, I'll really like broadcasting for a couple years, I then want to get the itch to get back into it and go coach again, and I could always go back to broadcasting after. And he's got My an affinity for he's, Dallas. He has three years left on his Oh, deal. well, then that's yeah, a problem. He's, he's getting back in. Then he's going to get traded. Then thing. someone's going to trade for him. One thing on the logistics you mentioned with some issues with SoFi Stadium and the parking lot and the Rams hosting a game, I could understand if this is the first time this came up. It, they just did it last year. Uh, were the Bucks on the road the entire playoffs? No, just until uh, they went to the NFC Championship game where they, of course, won against Green Bay. Okay, so they were home within the five weeks before the Super Bowl and the no, NFL. No, 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 no. They were, they were gone. They played every game on the road. They did? Yeah. Okay. They started in Washington on that run. Uh, oh, yeah, they, they did. They played somewhere else. They were on the road all three games. 
the, right. they, the, I, was the, think, the, I was thinking they were home. Well, the what was brought up point. was Minnesota. When the, there was in Minnesota, Minnesota hosted a playoff game, I think, that year. So it backed them up a little bit, but then they were gone, and they didn't host a championship game. So, yeah. I mean, they could move in with three weeks' time, you know, or four weeks' yeah. time, but this will be the first time that you got the possibility of NFC Championship team time. hosting and then Super Bowl being hosted there in two-week separation. This is an example of the whole thing being too big. Uh, I mean, you've got to be able to handle it if it happens this way. It's always been a possibility, and not having contingencies in order where it's uh, a, a, some kind of large-scale hassle for them seems a little bit ridiculous well, to they, me. Well, they, they, they should... They should have considered. It's not you just one two team. They have two there. possibilities that could be playing a game there. I, I mean, it, well, they'll figure it they, out. This is just a. It's a massive undertaking from a security standpoint. Yeah, they consider the, the possibilities. Uh, like John said, there's always an alternate city every year that you could go to, and and they clearly consider the possibilities because there is a contingency plan where they're constructing things in portions of the parking. The only thing that's going to be affected is some people's parking. You may have to park a little further away. Well, let me tell the you, stadium the is not going to change. Close as it is there. I well, mean, I walked about a mile to that get was, there when I was out there for Titans Rams this year. It was Lin, to credit. It was Lindsey Jones at the Athletic who had the story saying that this is very much going to be a home NFC Championship game. The stadium will reflect that. This is a Rams home game for the NFC Championship. You're not going to see any signs of the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium. And that's on purpose. As as so be. then when it's the Super Bowl two weeks after that, if they're in that game, then you're going to see a Super Total Bowl set up for the stadium totally different, which makes sense. And they can pull it off. I kind of like that it's that big. I think it's pretty remarkable that the NFL, like John said, could say you have to hold back hotels for a month after just in case there's a natural disaster or some sort of national emergency and the game has to be pushed back. That's sort of the power of the NFL. I like things to be big. There's nothing bigger than the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't, and it it I shows don't, it every year. I don't mind any of that. I, I mind it that it would get in the way of its own NFC Championship game, conceivably. I mean, you, you can't have that happen, and it sounds like they'll, they'll be able to handle it. But I'm not giving them any sympathy. Oh, my God, the Rams made the NFC Championship game, and it's going to put a crimp in your Super Bowl? Well, it's your NFC Championship game also. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll get into two things that we've each determined as certainties going into the conference championship weekend across the NFL. Right now, uh, guys, let's discuss the, the reaction to the weekend of the Tennessee Titans falling to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals move on to the AFC championship game on the road at Kansas City, and almost immediate, the reaction was exactly the same tone and feel. And I would describe it in two ways. Number one, the and when I say unanimous, I don't think there's any anybody in the city that's covering the Tennessee Titans that disagrees with the fact that Tannehill's not the same quarterback in the postseason for this team that he is in the regular season. That's number one. And number two, the Titans have reached their ceiling of from 2019, 2020, and now 2021. I mean, th- that's the column that has been th- th- that. Ron Davenport wrote at ESPN. Um, that's the the reaction that Paul had going into the week where the one fear was Tannehill wouldn't show up, that, that he would play small in, a, in the biggest moment of their season. 
And that is exactly what happened. And then throughout the city, the reaction from the fans was immediate. But from the media to have the same tone and, and feel uh, and vibe off the game surprises me a bit because you know in, in recent years, you fall in the postseason and there's, well, look at the improvement that they've made from where they were. And now it is they've hit the ceiling and they're now flatlined or they're plateauing. It's not, oh, one more offseason, they're going to retool and, and fix the problem. Last year it was they've got to fix their pass rush. They have to address their defense. Third if they're defense. going to it, Their defense wasted the offensive opportunity. And a year later, it is the quarterback is not able to get them to the Super Bowl. I think um, it also, like as bad as it was Saturday night with everybody feeling that, you then are hunkered down on on Sunday. And you're watching Brady mount the comeback, which you know Brady is Brady. But then you're watching Stafford, who was up and down this year, mm-hmm. drive to a game-winning field goal. And then you're watching this miraculous all-time Mahomes versus Allen thing. And, and look, everybody thinks I want one of those. Uh, and the Titans fans know, like, we're nowhere in range of being able to, to get one of those. We're drafting 26th in a draft well, me, where there's probably not one of those. Let we me put can't perspective. go trade one of those. Like, we're, we're not only are we stuck with this guy with this ceiling, but there's not a, any real tangible strategy at getting out of it. But, but a, if, this, if this were a year ago, the reaction would be, and let's say the circumstances are exactly the same right now, the reaction would be, well, we saw what happened in Kansas City with Chiefs-Bills, but the Titans beat both of those teams head-to-head, which is what they did this year and what they've done in years past. They, their style can still beat those best teams on their best day if the Titans play their best. Now, a year removed, it is... No one's buying that, even say, though we hey, saw the head-to-head matchups. Yeah, you say regular season win doesn't translate to doing it at this time right. of year with the raised pressure, no matter the locale. Um, and that's look, just, we just sacked, if a Titans fan would say, we just sacked the next best quarterback nine times. But that's, that's, and it didn't do anything but the difference, like the, the difference is they also won another game. They're a, a game better record-wise than they were last year. And it's a certainty that they're they're not reaching the pinnacle of where they thought they were going with this group. That's the that's the reaction and the vibe. I, I'm I'm surprised by it. I'm surprised that in Nashville, Tennessee, there are not more that oh. are are saying, "Hey, um, th- this isn't just crumple up the paper and throw it away." Like the the nucleus is there. And Tannehill can Tannehill play well enough to win a game? He has it in the postseason. He can, though. But can he win three games or four games? Right. And I think that's the realization. It's the harsh reality, and I wonder if they realize it. Do you think it's, internally they're thinking that way? It's really hard to get a bunch of media that covers one thing to agree on something. And I agree with you, Hutton. This is one that universally everyone at the same time said, Tannehill's reached a ceiling. This guy's not a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback. Titans aren't going much further than this right here. Division title. Uh, losing a, a playoff game or maybe winning one and losing a second one as long as Tannehill is quarterback. I'm amazed that everyone came to that conclusion at the same time, but that is just how bad that was on Saturday with everything in front of the Titans. That The finality of that, with the excitement going into that game, everything hit at once, and I understand it, and I don't think it's emotion 
that plays into that. I think it's watching football with your eyes for a long time and watching Ryan Tannehill shrivel in big moments repeatedly uh, in the playoffs. And when you see it happen before your eyes, everyone knows it. It's not To me, it's not an emotional decision. I'll also say this. I think that the, the job of journalism or someone that covers a team or that reports or does anything is to ask questions and to keep an open mind. And I'm a little bit disappointed with the amount of people who all universally acknowledge Ryan Tannehill can't take this team to a Super Bowl, but then immediately shut down any fan that wants to ask questions about, well, what can the Titans do? What can they do now? And the knee-jerk reaction is, well, they can't do anything. Look at his contract. Well, I get that. that. I've done that a it's, little bit. But that's going to be... I, I want a conversation about it. I don't want a declaration have to be done with him without some conversation about what that is. Well, yes, but that's the point. I understand if you're saying, just go trade for... This is the one move you can make. Go trade for Russell Wilson right now. Do this, this, and this. If someone brings up a specific thing that's crazy, then you say, okay, that specific instance is crazy. But what's wrong with asking the question? I'm for ask, about asking what to the do. question, but I, w- I want you to offer something, not just say, get rid of Tannehill. Well, without, so the, without but here, here's what I would say to that. The Titans should be looking at every possible oh, avenue to upgrade. Absolutely. And if, if Aaron Rodgers and if Russell Wilson are options, look into it. If Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr is an option and they're upgrades, look into it. My point is, if this was a team that was middling or struggling or in rebuilding mode, I would understand saying, you got a big, you got a big contract with a quarterback, you got to gut through it for the next two years, stick with it, find your guy in the draft, develop that guy, or look around in a year or two and see what's happening. This team is in a finite window to compete for a Super Bowl, and a big part of that just ticked away with Ryan Tannehill's terrible performance. And so they got to go find something now and I don't like this well you're stuck with Tannehill deal with it they they can't be doing that I'm not saying they're going to pull off no. one of these miraculous trades that everyone wants explore highly unlikely but you got to look into but it but odds are you're stuck with him. or you oh, you don't have to be stuck with his backup oh no that's for sure and I think that's the, that's the solution here you may not be able to get out of Tannehill's deal and and you can't cut him he's going to count way too much in dead money more than half your cap yeah it screws you would have up to any trade him plan. and take on another big contract right or you can draft a quarterback late in the first round which is where they select and then that's that's your plan you're developing your quarterback for when Tannehill is I mean, again like I, I think here's here's why it's different Saturday's loss to Cincinnati felt more than felt it, it was more it felt like more than just one loss if in totality when you and I, I realize it was just one loss I get what you're saying but the the way that this team had to come together and completely buy in and they all bought in everyone believed that no matter who was get, who was down who was injured who was on IR they were going to win week to week. And they did. Because Vrabel's message and the way that they play and their style and, and their identity works. But you've got to have an alternative to when the identity doesn't work. And when it, when it didn't work, New York Jets, Houston Texans, Pittsburgh Steelers, some of the worst quarterback play that they went up against this year, they lost to because they turned the football over and couldn't dig out of their own ditch and and or get out of it. And then same thing happened this past week where you need your quarterback to step up and make a throw 
And while he got them back into it, ultimately, his turnovers did them in. And it, to scratch and claw, to fight your way into the number one seed, what the Titans accomplished this regular season, it didn't matter if they were 17-0 and or if they had 12 wins. They could do no better than what where they were on Saturday, which is the number one seed hosting a team at Nissan Stadium with a chance to host the AFC Championship game and to collapse the way they did offensively, not being able to move a yard with their identity and to have a quarterback play extremely small in the biggest moment of the year when you needed someone to just shake out of it and make a play. He was incapable of it. He made a couple big throws. And, And let me also say, this isn't on Tannehill solely. Todd Downey needs to go. He needs to go. The fact that they're publicly endorsing him with the lack of creativity, and I mean, it, let's take creativity out of it. The, they got the ball to A.J. Brown five times in this game. Five times. Nine targets. But the, you've got to produce more touches, especially if you're only going to force the football to two receivers. We, we came out of the Houston game thinking the play action and the way they were going to run the football, and they ran it for 100 yards in the second half, was going to, in the way Julio Jones was playing and A.J. Brown was playing, you had to pick your poison. You had to defend them differently than what they were doing with all these injuries. And instead, you defend them fairly easily because they weren't throwing to anybody else. Guys were wide open. On the interception, screen pass to Chester Rogers. A.J. Brown is at the bottom of the screen, wide Open. Off coverage. Ten yards All off coverage is the next defender. And Tannehill takes the snap, doesn't even look his way. If that's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, whatever play design that the offensive coordinator has in play, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey make a play. If Kelsey, Kel, in this case, Kelsey is A.J. Brown, who's their best offensive weapon in the passing game. You make a play. And Tannehill takes the snap and goes through the motions, just like he did in play number one. Call it play design, call it decision-making. At some point, the leader of your offense, which is your quarterback, has to recognize the situation and make a play. And he didn't do it. And he hasn't done it in the postseason. Can can I I tweet out this picture from OutKick that you sent of the the setup? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to make sure people can see what we're describing right now. Um, This was the interception late in the game. They're going through the motions of these plays, and it's just... Um, Todd Downing can can point to all the injuries, but when they were healthy, they didn't look any different. Here's another place I'm surprised we haven't gone because we've been looking forward, forward, forward. And look, hindsight's part of this whole thing. Let's look back. 2019 was fantastic. It was fantastic. And it would have been awfully hard for them to scrap where they were going. Except that there was this huge exception to the rule where a good friend of Mike Vrabel's, whose New England career he just helped finish with Logan Ryan's interception in New England, was on the market. Was on the market. And Tampa Bay was a very logical place for him to go, but another very logical place for him to go that had a lot of things set up for him was Tennessee, Tom Brady to Tennessee. And they decided to sign Ryan Tannehill to a very expensive contract. And I think they, I mean, clearly they thought that he could take them to places that they haven't been able to go the next two years on the heels of an AFC championship game performance. Is that a reasonable decision at the time? Yes. In hindsight, what could have happened the last two years 
if you said, you know what, that was a great run with Ryan Tannehill, and under virtually any other circumstance, we would re-sign him. But right now, given the possibility of Tom Brady joining this team in, as a free agent and Ryan Tannehill about to hit the free agent market, We've got to do this. Bud Adams once fired people for not being able to get Peyton Manning here under similar circumstance. What if they had signed Tom Brady in 2019? What if he had chosen here, been given here as as an option, and chose it instead of Tampa Bay? What are the odds they'd won a Super Bowl in the last two years with Tom Brady as their quarterback? Certainly this year with this defense, uh, with ultimately the weapons they ended well, up with. Well, they're certainly healthy. at least winning a playoff game yeah. in the last two years. I'm, I'm confident saying I that. I think they're winning They're not Super going 0-2 I the think playoffs. there's a Lombardi trophy in Nashville from one of the last two years with there's, Tom Brady. There's one last hurdle to get over, and it is what, when, do the Titans, when does the Titans offense decide that it's going to be more of a player-driven offense where, again, go, let's go back to the second pick. Patrick Mahomes, and they're, they're in no, no class together. I'm, I'm, I'm discussing the decision of the offense to put it on the quarterback to make a play. Patrick Mahomes at the line of scrimmage. You think he's taking a snap and throwing to Byron Pringle? Or is he knowing that Travis Kelsey is wide open on his left? He's yeah, going to he, throw to a wide open Travis Kelsey on his he's left. He's just sensing AJ that, Brown and he's, adjusting, wide out, he's open. adjusting out of that. And it, it's just... It's, it's just but crazy that's a bad me. play design. It's crazy that it's that we shouldn't. It, we were expected to. Oh, but you didn't play the position. You didn't. You haven't coached before. This is this is obvious to me. The best players in the league make plays like this, regardless if the offensive coordinator right. calls this play. He or just not. senses that and does it. You've got to you've got to go to the line and see that your best player is wide open and get the ball to him. Well, and they just or AJ Brown's signaling you on that. Some combination well, of think things. Think about the it amount could be of a quarterbacks. whole variety of different things. Ultimately, the quarterbacks got to get it. It's there. not just Pat Mahomes, though. I mean, think about the amount of quarterbacks and receiver combos who would make the eye contact, see what was going on, and make that play. Yeah, I mean, go down the list. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson to Brady any of his receivers, Evans. Derek Carr. I mean, I can. I'm talking about not just the the Justin Justin Herbert. I mean, there's plenty. Joe Burrow's gonna make the play if he looks up and he sees Jamar Chase, his old college it's, teammate uh, over there, uncovered. It's boop. You're going there quick, and you're getting a big pickup. This isn't just a one year. They missed the mark. They they have missed out on an opportunity over the last two years to truly capitalize on some solid teams, some of the best in the AFC. They missed out last year by choking it away to Baltimore in the wild card round at home. Lamar Jackson's first playoff win as a starter. And this year, complete collapse offensively. But I think back to last year, that defense was so bad. That was not a championship team. This, this truly was a championship caliber team. With that defense and with the weapons coming back, this was a championship caliber team. Or we convinced ourselves such. You look at Kansas City and Buffalo the next day, and I, I, is it? With or without Tannehill, with maximum Tannehill, is this a championship team compared to Kansas City? I mean, I really would like to see the possibilities. What would happen with a home NFC or AFC championship game on Sunday against Kansas City? And uh, that's that's the difference, though. We're questioning it, even though we've seen the head-to-head matchups in the calendar year. But that's the difference in this vibe postseason, two days removed. 
everyone's on board. No one's like, you know what? Let's yeah. not overreact to it. Everyone's certain of it. Speaking of certainties. You're right. Speaking of certainties. Uh, what we're certain of across the NFL as we head into championship weekend. We're each bringing two to the table. We'll see if you agree. You can chime in at Outkick360 on Twitter. We roll on across the Outkick network. We roll on from 6th and Peabody across the Outkick network. Shout out to Sports Radio 104.7 in the Upper Cumberland. Somo Sports Radio in Missouri. We say hello to you. Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Alabama, Huntsville. Hello. You can hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. You can also join Chad live in the chat room right now on YouTube. Just subscribe to the YouTube channel, Outkick360. We post videos uh, and clips uh, for the show as well as the live stream here at 6th and Peabody on a daily basis. It sounds almost like the old... um AOL chat rooms in the beginning when you said you can join Chad in the chat. You want to cyber well, with yeah, Chad? You wanna, if you want to cyber with me, I'm available in the YouTube on the YouTubes right now. I'll, I'll be I, I I check in there and, and pop in time to time. There's been some great uh, debates going on in the old chat room uh, happening the last couple of days. I need it's been to get fun in to there witness a little more often. Paul, what are you? Let, let's start. We're each bringing two things to the table on what we're certain of. From the uh, the NFL as we go into this upcoming weekend, and it can be game specific or just a broad view of how we see the well, league right now. What we know, what are two things you're certain of? Well, number one, here, here's the one thing I'm certain of. I, I'll take it broad and I can narrow it to this year. I, I don't think a defensive team can win the Super Bowl a- anymore. Uh, I, I talked about this with Dockich today on his show. Now he's a devotee of the. 85, 86 Bears, uh, you know, grew up a huge admirer. He thinks they could win any year. San Francisco can't win it this year. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. Um, And I don't think a team built like those Bears or the 2000 Ravens could win now. I think you might be able to win one game. But like we've been talking about, could could you beat the, the, the whole schedule that you'd have to beat and in, the different the quarterbacks and the different quarterbacks the style is different you're gonna have to yeah. score yeah and if you're built kind of like the titans were built this year a more defensive team they had nine sacks and, and they lost to a, to a, a team that was a good defensive football team but that has the wanna, offensive element i do want i don't think you can construct yourself that way and say we're gonna be the outlier we're gonna be the the team that goes defensive and run. I think you got to be able to match offensively to some degree. You do have to match to some degree, but keep in mind what we've seen the last two Super Bowls with Kansas City. They had 10 points going into the fourth quarter against San Francisco in an offensive year where they were out of their out of this world. Um, 20 to 10 was the score. They came back and won the Super Bowl, but they had 10 points through three quarters against San Francisco. Last year, the Tampa defense got all over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they did a great job. But is Tampa a defensive football team? Tampa's last, year they, to, last year, they were among the tops in the league. Yes, but they're keyed around Tom Brady. They, they have an offense oh, yeah, they, that's, I mean, that's capable of producing points on any given Sunday. Sure. You can't be a defensive football team. Let me chime in with my first one, Paul, because it plays right into what you're saying. Great defense can still beat great offense in a one-off but can't win a title. That's where I... And that's what I learned Saturday night. Um, Mm. Last week I said, 
it's a myth now to think that great defense can stop great offense. And then Saturday, I watched the 49ers shut down the MVP, back-to-back MVP more than likely, and Aaron Rodgers and their offense. Some of this is weather permitting. You know, it was freezing cold temperatures, snow in the second half had something to do with it, but the Packers went down their first drive and capped it off with an A.J. Dillon touchdown and did nothing offensively the rest of the game. 49ers won without scoring an offensive touchdown. That shocks me. But now that that's done, 49ers can't win the Super Bowl. I just don't believe it. I don't buy it. You can catch lightning in a bottle and have a great defense and sometimes weather permitting, maybe even not, have that one playoff game where great defense can beat great offense, but you can't win a Super Bowl with that formula. I think that's one thing I'm sure of after this weekend, and that's me allowing for a change in what I said last week where it just can't happen. That great defense doesn't beat great offense anymore in football at the highest level. I changed my opinion on that Saturday night. I'm certain that Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the field for any team this upcoming weekend. And while you may say, well, yeah, that's obvious. It wasn't obvious going into last weekend. And now I'm, I'm certain of it. I'll, I'll, step, uh, I'll take a step further than that. We're not hearing the GOAT talk anymore about Mahomes. He's still on pace to be the guy. He's, going to his, he's about to go to his third Super Bowl. And if he reaches that and gets two out of three and then you start projecting where they're headed and the contract he's under, it's hard not to look at what he's capable of accomplishing. Brady got six in New England. Mahomes can have two in, his, in three years potentially now. And he's on the doorstep every year based on the way their offense is constructed. They're just overhaul their offensive line. All their pieces are coming together now. Um, their defense is playing better again. It's everything is is falling into place, and Patrick Mahomes is right back where we would have said he should be at this time last year. We counted him out in September and October, and now they're back. They're headed back to what is going to be a high flying Super Bowl, and I'm going to get to that in my next thing. I'm certain of. You agree I, though? Like we? Yeah. He's about to go to his third straight. Yeah. I mean, he's, or should he's the guy? He, he is the guy in the NFL right he's now. Is what everybody's shooting for. Yeah. I'm certain that oh, over time, at least in the playoffs, has to change. In the current format where you can win a game with an opening possession field goal, uh, uh, touchdown, touchdown, but you can't win it with an opening possession field goal, um, the winning percentage for the team that wins the coin flip is only 52.8%. But in the playoffs, the team that wins the coin flip is 10-1. and one. That 52.8% includes that 10-1. and one. So the 52.8% isn't bad. I can understand you making the argument for, hey, if you're on defense, stop. But 10-1 and one in the playoffs, you, you can't have. So it's got to change at least for the playoffs. And look, Andy Reid three or four years ago was on the wrong side of this. Tom Brady got the ball and went down and won it. Kansas City didn't touch it. And the Chiefs, along with the Ravens, made a proposal for a change and were rebuffed. I give Andy Reid credit. Because on Monday, he was asked about it, and he said he still believes uh, he wouldn't be against a change in the overtime thing. He benefited this time. He lost last time. It's, uh, I, I think most of America, this is one of those bar stool things of 50 drunk guys on a stool at a bar agree, like on a replay, you got to go with it. And I think America agrees, at least in the playoffs. Both teams have to touch the ball no matter the circumstances. It's got to change, and that debate's not going away. 
I think it's criminal that the last time we saw Josh Allen in that great game was the touchdown pass with 13 seconds left, and he never touched the football again, right? I mean, that's sad. When you think about that game going to overtime and he never saw the football again, and the moment of euphoria after that touchdown pass and then just watching it unravel, and he's got no say over that, no control in an overtime period, should force them to reconsider. Ten that. and one, I, I totally is agree. I've always evidence. been with them. Ten and one is more than sufficient evidence, uh, and I've I've long said that. So I, I agree with you. Uh, my second thing, I'm certain of after these playoffs, Hutton, you had this exercise last week where you went through the eight playoff teams, and you said, "Give me the guys for this team." Every single one of them was a quarterback and a receiver. We got down to the Tennessee Titans, and it was Derrick Henry, the the key to the offense. Building an offense around one running back will never win it all, ever, again. Can't be done. And this is not a shot at Derrick Henry's greatness. He's great. If Derrick Henry's in the game, we give the ball to Derrick Henry. I still buy that. But if Derrick Henry or any one running back is your focus as an offense in the NFL, it's not going to win the Super Bowl. It might win you a playoff game. It will give you an identity. You may win a division title. You may win a lot. But ultimately, it's going to cost you. And the Titans put a lot of their chips into Derrick Henry coming back in the playoffs. They gave him the ball. I'm fine with that. But Derrick Henry was not as good as Deontay Foreman in this game. Even Derrick Henry is human. Coming back after a long absence affected him. And the Titans didn't have a lot of answers to that because Derrick Henry is their offense in so many different ways. And it's not going to win a Super Bowl. I'm certain of that after this weekend. You guys agree or disagree? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it goes hand in hand with the defensive thing. I, I, I think you can't have a running back centered offense if you don't have a defensive centered offense. So they go hand in hand. So we're really just dismissing I, the whole. I, Titans, I think Derrick Henry the whole shape. I think if you have a Derrick Henry on your roster, who I believe is going to be a Hall of Famer, I think game to game he will win you games, and he may win you a playoff game, and he's got to be the focal point based on matchup and, and what you're doing. I think if you center your offensive plan around one running back as a team, if, as an offensive philosophy, it's going to get you beat. You're not going to win it all doing that. There were 10 backs in the playoffs this weekend that the top 10 rushers um, in the postseason so far have averaged less than four yards per carry in the games. So... The run defense, going back to a topic I brought up last week, yeah. that played a massive factor in the results of these games uh, for the divisional round. Here is what I'm certain of going into the championship game. The best offensive weapons, not at quarterback, are not playing in the AFC. And the best offensive weapons in the NFC will determine the outcome on who goes to Super Bowl 56. It's Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel going head-to-head. I'm certain that those are the two best offensive weapons in championship weekend, and they don't play for the Chiefs, and they don't play for the Bengals. Those dudes, one of those two guys is going to make a massive play that determines the winner for the NFC. Hutton, I'm glad you brought up Debo Samuel because this kind of plays into what I'm saying about the one running back. You can focus your offense on Debo Samuel, who is a running back and a receiver. When you have a weapon like that and do different things, you can win with that approach. Well, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown uh, against Green Bay, but that third and seven run by Debo Samuel to set up 
that drive where they go and get the field goal, massive run from a guy who's a wide receiver well, and moving the sticks. I see what you're saying, but I think those guys are a little bit more singular, which doesn't take away from the fact that Hill and Kelsey and Chase and Higgins are terrific. Also, and I think it's just as likely one of those guys makes the play of the weekend as one of your guys. I'm, I'm t- the two best offensive weapons for their individual offense are playing in the NFC. Debo Samuel is a star. People just don't realize it. He's a star. I, he absolutely and is. And Cooper a star. Cup's the best wide receiver that we've seen in a decade. I I, I think he's terrific. I, I thought he was. Uh, Tyreek Hill's MVP not putting caliber. up Cooper Cup type performances week after week. He's not, but he might on Sunday. Chase Chase could too. I like it. We'll see how it goes. And uh, this is also the weekend I think that Odell Beckham comes to life. We've seen flashes of it. Consistency. Yeah, he's I mean, really he's, gotten they're, gradually they're better. Clicked, they're clicked in now. And let me take it a step further. I'm not certain of this, but here's here's something I think we're we have the chance to see. So this past weekend goes down as the best divisional round ever. And normally that's you know. We're looking into that as hyperbole, and we're saying uh, it's recency bias. It it's, can't be. It's hard to it's be. It's hard to beat it. Yeah, I think Walk this ups. playoff run, starting last weekend all the way to the Super Bowl, has the chance to be the most exciting Super Bowl slash playoff run we've seen. Because consider the matchups and what we're going in. We had last weekend that we know. This weekend, Cincinnati's taking on Kansas City. They already beat them, and they trailed by fourteen points three different times against Kansas City when they beat them at home. They're going forward on fourth down. Joe Burrow throws for 450 yards. Jamar Chase is unstoppable, has two or three touchdowns in that matchup. Uh, we know what Kansas City's capable of. I think we could see another shootout there. Let's, hypo- let's hypothetically say that Kansas City advances and they're taking on the Rams. I'm here to tell you, I think the Rams offense can do exactly what Buffalo did to Kansas City's defense. And Matthew Stafford is stepping up in the postseason and making some massive throws. With Odell and with their tight end play across the middle, and with Cooper Cup, they're capable of doing exactly what Buffalo did. We'd need three excellent games or at least two because that wild card round, we have to remember, was horrifically bad. No so, one's going to remember it. Yeah. But, but if, we're, if we're looking at the entire package, uh, we'd have to go back and, and look at some others. No one's going to remember it. You're right. But it's in there. And it was bad. That's, that's part of why we were gifted by the football gods this Tremendous weekend, I believe it, because last weekend was a whole, the weekend before was tough to endure. I mean, we turned off a couple of those games. I did. Let's chat about the Bengals when we return and why, regardless of the result, and they're fully capable of beating the Chiefs. We've seen it. But regardless of result this coming Sunday, why they are built for a postseason run. There's also a big television broadcast tonight we need to inform people about that's going to take place. This is Outkick 360. We will wrap up discussing Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals momentarily. Outkick 360 rolls on. Must-watch TV interview tonight, Chad. Yeah, HBO Real Sports with Bryant Gumble. They've got an exclusive interview with Antonio Brown and his attorney. That will air tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 o'clock Central. There's some, some snippets of this getting out in the media right now. Uh, a couple of highlights uh, he claims that the Bucks tried to make an agreement with Antonio Brown to give him $200,000 to go to the, quote, crazy house so they can look in to see what you what's going on with you. Uh, his lawyer apparently interrupts him at this point and clarifies something during the interview. 
Don't know exactly what that is. Um, also said that he was given Toradol shots in the Carolina game and the Jets game, and that caused him to not feel the pain and the damage he was doing to his ankle. And that was part of the problem. He was doing worse damage to his ankle because of the Toradol shots. Uh, I will be watching this. I think tonight there's also there's a big investigative piece on the IOC's dealings with China for the Beijing Olympics and a troubling past with how they mm. negotiate uh, with China. So uh, I'll definitely be tuning in tonight, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central to HBO Real Sports. Just quick aside, interesting graphic put out by NFL Game Day of NFL Network. Standings since 2006 when the Saints hired Sean Payton. Uh, Saints, 159 wins. Steelers, 162 wins. Packers, 166 wins. Patriots, 191 wins. Of course, the Saints, uh, 150, you said 59? Yeah. 152 are Sean Payton's because he was suspended. Yeah. But in that in the time period while he was head coach or right, out, right. 159, fourth best team in the NFL during that Seven time. Seven NFC South championships. And during that span, it was nobody repeated as NFC South champion. It's kind of crazy how they we, they were able to weave through all that. Jaguars, then, 86 wins. They were top, uh, top five in the NFL for offense 11 different times in the – 15 seasons with Sean Payton there. We got a lot of different news notes for you here in this final segment. Also, Nick Coffey of the Cardinal Connection at the Card Connect up in Louisville tweets out and reports a little bit earlier this afternoon, University of Louisville has called a joint meeting for tomorrow at 4 o'clock for the Board of Trustees Athletic Association. The meeting will address, quote, pending litigation and personnel matters. Also, the Chris Mack Coaches Show schedule for tonight has been canceled. A lot of rumblings that Chris Mack has coached his last game He's done. for the Louisville Cardinals, and they will confirm that tomorrow uh, with an emergency board of trustees meeting. Reason to buy into the Cincinnati Bengals long-term, and there was reason even last week prior to them advancing to the AFC Championship game. Uh, it's because of the money that they have on the books or off the books that they're going to be able to spend in free agency. They are an offensive line away from being a tremendous team. And they're, they get a chance to address that in free agency. They can spend some big money. They have the second or third best cap situation for the projected salary cap that opens up in March. So they can do it in the draft. They can also do it in free agency by bringing in some vets. And that was the Cleveland model. Cleveland you know, went out and signed Jack Conklin, and they, they put some other pieces on the offensive line. And there's no debate that Cleveland's offensive line, when healthy, is among the very best in the NFL Cincinnati can address that in a big way this offseason for Burrow. And now's the time. You have a very special window here in the next two years. Yep. Years three and four of Joe Burrow's rookie contract before his fifth-year option and then before his either franchise tag or extension where you can get max value. And think about what they've done. I mean, they got the quarterback right. They were also in position because they were so bad to draft him number one. But they get the quarterback right. That following year, they get the decision right to draft – Chase, number four overall, instead of going with the offensive line. They've because got they've advanced despite the O-line. Secondary playmakers. And then then they, they revamped their defense. They were almost as bad as the Titans' defense last year. And now, you know, they've taken a big step forward. We want to discuss adequate. They were more than adequate this past week. And while 
Kansas City put up 31 points on them in their previous meeting, they still made some plays against the, the, the Chiefs' offense. So they've hit on all these things. Now that they hit on their offensive line situation this offseason and get it right, they can certainly be in the mix. We're, we're discussing Burrow up there with Mahomes and with No Allen. doubt. Duke Tobin deserves a lot of credit there. All we're talking about is uh, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. We are back at it tomorrow. Very fast-paced show today. Thanks for joining us wherever you did. Download the podcast wherever you download your podcast. You can find us everywhere. Just search out Outkick 360. And do us all a favor. Don't block the box. And do be sure to lock your locks.